Welcome back. Uh, we're starting a new series in October called Haunted. In this series, uh, I'm going to be talking about different fears that we have, different things that, that can bring fear about, and just what, how we can deal with that, what we can do. Uh, the first week, I'm going to talk about In the Dark. That's the name of the, the week's message. Uh, and I want to talk about the fear of the unknown, things that we can't see, things in the dark. Uh, maybe Not, you know, literally in some ways, but also just figuratively out in the darkness, out in places we can't see, the future, different things like that. And so I want to start with Numbers 13, 21 through 33. So they went up and explored the land from the wilderness of Zin as far as Rehob, near Lebo Hamath. Going north, they passed through the Negev and arrived at Hebron, where Ahiman, Shehishi, and Talma, all descendants of Anak, lived. The ancient town of Hebron was founded seven years before the Egyptian city of Zoan. When they came to the valley of Eshkul, they cut down a branch with a single cluster of grapes so large that it took two of them to carry, on, carry it on a pole between them. They also brought back samples of the pomegranates and figs. The place was called the Valley of Eshkul, which meant cluster, because of the cluster of grapes the Israel men cut there. So just for a little background there, uh, other than all of the weird names in that, this is before the Israelites are going officially into, uh, well, into wandering in the desert. This is back when they are promised the promised land, they are promised the country of Israel, they are promised this land that God said, hey, I have this set about for you. Like this is what he'd said all along. And then as they're slaves in Egypt uh, and Moses comes, he's like, hey guys, it's okay. We're going to get out of this. God is with us. He's going to lead us to the promised land. That was the entire everything. And so just to recap that, which we've talked about before, as they were slaves, there were 10 different plagues that God used Moses to put about, like showing God's power. And through those, each one not only showed God's power, but showed how he was dominant over everything, over creation, over the Egyptian gods, over whatever else. And so it showed, hey, you know, I can do this. I have an answer for everything that you may come against. And then the Egyptians, as they're chasing them, you know, we know the, the famous miracle of the Red Sea, where they're standing there and they don't know where to go, and they start to wonder, maybe we should go back, but the Egyptians are on their backs. And, and so the God uses Moses to part the Red Sea. They walk through, it lands on all their enemies, and they get away. And so we are past that. But I say that to say, to show, look at all of the things God has done for them. Now, in our lives, we feel God's power in different ways. Sometimes we do witness miracles, but, but most of the time we feel that in worship services. We feel that in, in births. We feel that uh, through talking with friends, through talking with family, through doing different things like that. Uh, we feel it in different ways. And so here we see all of these literal powers of God on display, these amazing things where they can actually point and say, wow, do you remember when God literally did this thing that's never happened before? He really did this thing that other, without it, we would have died like there was no way through except by God. And so, you know, Moses uh, sends 12 different um, members of each tribe, sends them out into the land uh, as spies, as explorers basically to go and look and check things out and so as they're walking through they see all these giant fruits like giant grapes I'm not talking like the cotton candy grapes that are about this big which I don't know if you can see that but I, I'm talking about like size of dodgeballs or volleyballs or beach balls or some kind of giant thing like that and these are grapes and so they're like carrying them around and it's nuts and they're like wow this is so insane and so they are starting to question things. And we're going to see that in just a second, but they're starting to have these doubts because when you see giant food, uh, we are conditioned by cartoons and by fairy tales to know that that means there are probably giants or other things uh, lurking in the darkness. 
And so they continue. I want to continue here. After exploring the land for 40 days, the men returned to Moses, Aaron, and the whole community of Israel at Kadesh in the wilderness of Paran. They reported to the whole community what they had seen and showed them the fruit they had taken from the land. This was their report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore, and it is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here is the kind of fruit it produces, but the people living there are powerful, and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak, uh, the Amalekites live in the Negev, and the Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country. The Canaanites live along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea and along the Jordan Valley. But Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once to take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. So you see basically the two ways to look at this. Uh, even though they saw much of the land and they saw the people, it's still very unknown because they didn't talk to them. They didn't really go and check it out. And, you know, that's being safe and it's being smart because their goal was just to check things out. But it's all very unknown. And so they come back and they tell Moses what they do know. And you can see from the way the two people, Caleb and then the other ten, Caleb and Joshua were actually pro. You can see how uh, they expect it and what they expected to see. One of the things I want to say going into fearful situations, going into things we, we expect, going into things we don't know, how you feel at the beginning will have a big, uh, a giant effect on how you feel at the end. Now that doesn't mean that your feelings won't change. It doesn't mean that if you're scared going into something that you won't uh, realize at the end that there was nothing to be scared of. It also doesn't mean that like you you feel no fear going in and then all of a sudden you're like, oh wait, this is kind of scary. What it means is if you're like, this isn't going to work, or this movie is going to be awful, or this school subject is going to be horrible, or I'm going to fail this test. And as you're going into studying, as you're going into school, as you're going into whatever, uh, as you're going off to college, it's like, this is going to be awful. And you have that mindset that is going to color everything because you can always find backing for whatever you think. Uh, we are in October, and so you see like the politics of the country have just gone into high gear. Uh, overdrive, even more than ever, and you see the commercials, you see uh, debates coming up, you see all kinds of things, and, and you know, not just the politicians, but people on both sides. Uh, and sadly, there are only two sides, it seems like, but really there's not, and we'll talk about that at some point in the future. But you see people, they have this, this standard idea, or this, this platform, something that they believe, Republican side, Democrat side, whatever. And so every news story, every uh, Facebook story, everything that happens in their life, every person that they talk to, they immediately like put things from those experiences, from those stories, from those things to fit their view instead of changing their view to fit what they find out. So it's basically like the scientific principle. You start with a theory, and then from that theory, you're supposed to experiment and try to figure things out. But if it proves your theory wrong, you have to come up with a new theory. And yet in life, we tend to not do that. We tend to be stubborn. We tend to think, well, I think this is going to suck. And so you go through it, and you're kind of making sure it sucks. Maybe you're in a movie. Let's just take that, because that's simple. And you're like, this movie is just going to be awful. Like, I just, I've heard reviews, and I know it's going to be bad. I don't really want to see it. And so you're sitting there. And, you know, something you kind of laugh at, but then you're like, that was a stupid joke. I just laughed because I'm tired, and, and, you know, Jeff said something funny like 17 weeks ago, and that was the only time he's ever said something funny, and I just remembered it, and it was crazy. And then you keep watching the movie, and you keep thinking, man, I usually like him, but I, don't, I wouldn't have done it. And you just continually pick things out. Your friend, however, came into the movie with you, and they're watching from the opposite standpoint. And you're like, oh, I've wanted to see this forever. I don't care about the reviews. I've kept, I've not watched the trailers. Like, I just really want to love this. And so they're seeing the same things you are. But they're like, oh man, 
you know, that wasn't great, but that was awesome. And so you're only picking out the things that fit your point of view. And so you go out, you talk, and you argue, and you're like, well, this is the only way to see it, and this is the only way to see it. Now, how that ties into fear and how that ties into to these spies is 10 of the men went in expecting to see stuff they didn't know because they were scared. And you remember back during the miracles of God, uh, a lot of the, of the Israelites were saying, we should just go back. You know, it's better to be a slave. We're scared. This is too, too scary. Like, I don't know. And, and, you know, some of them were like Moses and Aaron and Caleb and Joshua who were like, no, we can do this. God's with us. And that's, you know, how we all are. And sometimes at different points, we're different points of views like this. But so the 10, they go in and everything they see, they're like, oh, big grapes. Oh, man. I bet that takes a lot of fertilizer. We don't even have a fertilizer plant yet. Like, we're going to have to get giant cows, and we're going to have to do all this stuff we don't even know how, <coughs> how to do. That was just a cough, not COVID. And so we continue uh, to, to add. They continue to add to that. They continue to add to their initial observance, their initial feeling. And they're like, ah, yeah, I bet there's giant people. Oh, look, that guy over there, he's big. And, you know, he was. And, and he's giant. He's got a bunch of giants around him. And there's people over there. And they're a big force. I bet they're mean. I bet they're, they're not like us. I bet they're, they are different. I bet that they're, they're crazy. I bet that they're going to get us. And they're adding to that. Meanwhile, Joshua and Caleb were walking through. And they have this different viewpoint. They're like, okay, God promised this to us. Wow, that might be hard, but God's with us. Remember when, hey, you know, Joshua, remember when he parted the Red Sea and Caleb's like, yeah, yeah, I remember the plagues and they're talking. And you're like, oh man, that, that'll be hard, but we can do it because we've done all of this and God's with us. And you see the two points of view. And then they come out and both, all 12 of them were scared. I want to be key there because one of the things we do wrong, we define wrong in society is we think that, that being brave, being courageous means you're never scared. That's not true. Never being scared means you're stupid. It means that you can't see that there are threats. It means you can't see there are problems. Now, also, you don't want to be scared all of the time. But what I mean by that is being brave means that you have fear, uh, you have caution, and yet you continue to act despite it. Uh, we think of soldiers we, we, when <clears throat> they go to war. We think of firefighters when they go into a burning building. I'm going to go with that because I've watched Chicago Fire recently. And, and I also burned myself a couple weeks ago. But very different. Uh, but anyway, so firefighters, as they go into a burning building, they're not like, oh man, fire, that's simple. Because as soon as you start thinking there's nothing to scare, be scared of with fire and these buildings that are crumbling, you know, that's when danger happens. That's when bad things happen. And yet they see that and they're like, yeah, this is scary. You know, we've got our equipment, but I've seen this happen. And yet they continue to go because they trust each other, uh, because they, they know the process. And so they go and they're brave because of the fear. And so you have these 10 who have the fear and you have the other two who have the fear. But two of them are like, we can do this. More importantly, God can do this. And the other 10 are like, nah, this is too scary. And in our lives, we're going to be, again, different versions of each of these people. Uh, some of you are getting ready to, well, you're beginning your senior years or you're beginning your eighth grade year. And so you're getting ready to go to the freshman building. You're getting ready to go to high school from the freshman building. You're getting ready to go to college at the end of the year. Something like that. And it's like, it's scary. And sometimes you're like, I don't know if I'm going to choose the right one. I don't know if I'm going to have any friends. And you think all these things. And it's okay to think all these things. It's natural to think all of these things. I will tell you this every time before I preach, uh, anytime, but especially on a Sunday morning, like in front of adults, in front of big people, uh, I'm, I'm like scared. Like I feel that. And most people will say, you can't tell that you're nervous. 
I, there's nobody over there. I don't know why I pointed. But uh, most people say you can't tell that you're nervous. But that's because I'm praying constantly. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm not scared. It also doesn't mean that I'm not going to do it. I stand up here and I talk because I trust God, because he's proven time and time and time again that he has a word for me to speak, that he will help me, that he will be with me. And each time I still feel that, but I still push forward. Now, I'm not special and I'm not overly brave or anything like that. But with college, with school, with life, with going into a situation where you know there's going to be peer pressure, with going into a situation where maybe you've done something wrong, but you're afraid to talk to your parents about it. Or maybe you haven't done anything at all and you're just afraid to talk to your parents about some question that you have. And you feel that fear. And you're like, well, this means that I'm not ready. This means that I can't talk to them. This means that I can't go to college. This means that I can't move on. This means that I can't uh, pass this test. This means whatever. It doesn't mean that. Now, sometimes when we have fear, it's wise to listen to it and to walk away from a situation. Like if you're standing outside and there are 12 dogs that have like foamy mouths, foam coming out of their mouths. That's the the scientific term for that. And it's coming out of their mouths and they're there and they're like their eyes are red and there are little uh, spikes coming all over their, their backs, not just on their collars, but just spikes everywhere. It's like freaky dogs. And you're like, huh. I'll go take them a Slim Jim. No, no, no. You have to be wise there. You listen to the fear, but you take it through your faith. You take it through everything else. And you're like, well, this is a situation. There's no point in living out this danger. And so I'll go and I'll figure things out and I'll see what's happening to the dogs. I'll look up, do spiky dogs with foamy mouths. Are those bad? And all these other things. But when it comes to college, when it comes to talking to your parents, when it comes to asking someone out, when it comes to all of these different things that we're scared of, when it comes to trying... When we don't know, we often are like, well, no, I just can't do it. But fear not only gives us a chance to overcome it and a chance to rely on God and a chance to talk to other people, but it also tells us, hey, this matters. This is something that I really care about. And so you push through it. You find ways. You talk to people. Uh, in the history of Israel, especially in the Old Testament, you see all of these times where they gave into their fear. All of these times where they gave in to doubt. All of these times where they gave in to whatever. Now God kept giving them chances. Some of the people didn't make it, but he kept giving as a whole them chances and he keeps giving us chances. I want to end this before I go on. Uh, Verse 31. But the other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They're stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw were huge. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Uh, next to them, we are, felt like grasshoppers, and that's what they thought too. Not only were they scared, but they went above and beyond to try to scare everyone else to follow them. And you'll have people like that who try to scare you out of doing the right thing, who try to scare you out of standing up. Like, yeah. You know, this party, if you don't go to this, you're never going to have a friend again. And not only that, you're not going to make it into college. You're like, what does that have to do with or the other? And they're like, yeah, the person throwing this party, their, their parent, their grandpa, whatever, owns every college in the world. And you're like, that doesn't make any sense. But they're trying to scare you. They're trying to freak you out. There are news stations that try to scare us and try to make us think everything is a threat. Now, again, I am not saying there's nothing to be scared of. I'm not saying there are no threats. I'm not saying that you shouldn't be wise. You should be wise. But like Joshua and Caleb, we should remember that God is with us. And again, there will be times where we need to be cautious and we need to to take a step back or we need to retreat even. It does not mean we're giving in to the fear. 
But there will also be times where we need to push through. And you're like, well, how do I know which is which? I can't tell you. I can tell you that in my life there have been times that I've given in to fear. There have been times, and I can look back, and I'm cursed with this memory of remembering everything I've ever said and done throughout my entire life. And it sucks, especially at like four in the morning. But I can remember these times where I had a chance to say, win a spelling bee, or I had a chance to ask a girl out, or I had a chance to take uh, some kind of award, or go for some kind of reward or scholarship, and I was like, I just can't do it. I'm too scared. I'm shy. And all of those things are true. But instead of talking to people, instead of really praying, instead of pushing through it, I would give up. Now, obviously, I've continued to live my life and try to do better. But there have also been times where I'm like, oh, man, I don't know if I can do this. The very first time, I've probably talked about this before, the very first time I ever had to speak in public, and I'm talking like preaching, I'm not talking like presentations in college or high school. So the very first time I had to preach uh, was for youth, and I was supposed to film it, and I was supposed to, uh, you know, turn it into my class because I was taking my, my master's ministry class. And so I knew it was coming up. You know, I'd said no before, but I knew it was coming up. I knew I had to. I knew there'd be people there. I couldn't get around that. I pushed having cardboard cutouts. Uh, it didn't work. And so, for one, it's hard to do that. Although, I guess if I'd waited about 15 years, it would be possible, as we see with sports now. But I wrote out exactly what I wanted to say. Uh, God inspired me to, to have a message, and I wrote it out word for word. I'm not just talking that I wrote out like, okay, at this point, I want to say something like this. I'm talking like I wrote out word for word everything, including pauses, including laugh breaks, which, you know, there weren't any, but it is what it is, including, like, punctuation, including, well, obviously punctuation, including everything that I could possibly say. I wrote it out word for word. And then I got a little recorder like this, although not even nearly as cool. And I spoke into it. I read it straight into it. And then I put headphones in, and every single day for like two weeks, maybe even three weeks, I listened to that. I'd go to the gym, and I'd listen to it. In my car, I'd listen to it. At home, I'd listen to it. I memorized that. Because I thought that the mark of a successful pastor, the mark of a successful speech, the mark of a successful sermon, was not having to look down at notes. It was having everything perfect and just talking. And so I memorized it. And uh, it, it was okay. Like, there was a point where I kind of stopped because, you know, I lost my place because, you know, when you're typing anything out. But I kept going and I made it through and it was okay. It, it was okay. I'm not going to say that I failed and I'm not going to say it was awful. It was okay. But I didn't really feel successful. Now, I knew that I'd done the letter of the, 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 letter of the assignment and I'd done what I was supposed to do. But I didn't really feel it. Now, I felt it when I was writing it, but I didn't really feel it when I was speaking it because I'd allowed fear to change everything about what I was doing. Now, I could argue easily that that was how I needed to start because I needed to be sure because before that, I'd been too scared to even say yes. Before that in college, and I've said this a lot, I would pretend to be sick to take a lower grade or whatever to avoid presentations. And so all of that is true. But from that moment on, I would try to get less and less, and I would try to have these long sheets of notes, and I'd try to write it out uh, in outline form, and yet it ended up being pretty much the same thing, where I'd write out pretty much exactly what I'd say, and I did okay. I learned how to look off of it sometimes. Sometimes, absolutely, it would be like, you know, looking at the notes, look up, make eye contact, look down, read up, you know, we've all been there. And I continued to be scared, and I was like, maybe this is who I'm always going to be. And then on a mission trip with Seymour way back in the day, uh, I didn't have any notes. I didn't have anything prepared because I thought somebody else was going to do it. And they were like, hey, you know, say something. And I was like, I can't do this. So I looked up scripture. 
uh, I, I prayed really hard and I talked. And again, I hate giving myself any kind of compliment, so you can parse this as not truly being a compliment, but it was definitely the best I'd ever spoken. Now, that can mean a lot of different things. But I could see that it was having an effect, and I felt different while I was doing it. And I realized it's because I kind of cut the training wheels off. Now that, again, like I said, didn't mean that I was never scared again, because I still am. But it means that I realized, oh, I have to rely on God more. I have to let him part the Red Sea. I have to do my part. And, and in these spies, they all had seen God's power. It's not like Joshua and Caleb and Moses have been the only ones that saw what God can do. They all had seen God's power. And yet when it came to the unknown, it's like, it's unknown. I can't do it. I, can't, I just can't do it. We all feel like this from time to time. Virtually the entire world around us is unknown. Every day that you go to school, who knows what's going to happen? Every day that you go home, who knows what's going to happen? Every day that you wake up, who knows what's going to happen? Only God. But he doesn't give us a list of, of what to do. Well, the Bible, but I mean, he doesn't give us a list of, you know, make this choice, make this choice, make this choice. Instead, it's kind of like a choose-your-own-adventure. I would love to be able to end this week by saying, well, hey, in order to defeat your fear of the unknown, just uh, take three ibuprofen and write out, uh, you know, this Bible verse and then memorize it and then just go and you're fine. You'll never fear it again. Feel it, feel it again. It's not how it works. Because there will always be fear. There will always be unknown. It is impossible to know everything. Regardless of what politicians will tell you. It's impossible to know everything. And yet, we know God. And because we know God, because we know the end of this story, and it took a long time because Israel messed up, because they listened to the fear and they gave up, and it took all of the people who listened to the fear, they weren't even allowed in the promised land, including Moses. Joshua and Caleb were. And that's a huge consequence. And yet, God protected them. Israel had its problems. Israel still has its problems, but God has been with them. He blesses people who follow him. doesn't mean you're never going to have problems. It doesn't mean that your fear is never going to be justified. It doesn't mean bad things won't happen. It means that God will always be with you. It means that he will always love you. It means that when something is unknown, do your best to know everything you can. Again, you're not going to know everything, but do your best. Pray. Uh, read scripture. Talk to people. Talk to your parents. Talk to your youth pastor. Talk to, to volunteers. Talk to friends that, that believe like you. Just talk. Think things through. Come up with a plan. And then go forward. Doesn't matter what it is. And if it's good, if it's something that, that you know is for the good, and you know you're like, okay, I just feel scared, but I know that I should try this, or I know I should go here. Uh, I know I should apply here. Trust God. Trust God, because He does know everything. And He knows that even in our failures, we can find success, because we learn from it. So allow yourselves to learn from the times that you give in to fear. Allow yourself to learn from the times other people do. Again, I would love to have this way to prepare you for everything that's unknown in the world, but I can't. And I still fear, feel fear sometimes. I do. Because I don't know. I don't know what the publisher will say. I don't know what the agents will say. I don't know what people will say. Blah, 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 blah. Do your best. To follow God and pray and be like, hey, you know, is this something I should push through on? Is this something that I should hold back on? And when you talk to people, when you pray, when you read scripture, when you really think about it, you'll find that most of the time you find the right answer. Sometimes you're still going to mess up because you're, you're not perfect. But even in those times, you're like, okay, what, what can I learn from? And then move forward.
Because that is how you can push through the fear of the unknown. That's how you can be truly brave. By continuing to try. Because as I say a lot, as long as there is life, there is hope. And as long as you have hope, you can go forward. So as you go forward, pray for the wisdom to know when to push and pray for the wisdom to know when to pull back. I believe a wise philosopher, maybe Plato or something, said you've got to know when to hold them and you've got to know when to fold them. I love that most of you don't even get that, but that's okay. Because Terry kind of lacked. But in your life, pray for that wisdom. And you'll find that the more you pray for that wisdom, the more you talk to people about how to find that wisdom, the more you, you read, the more you learn, the more you grow, that the more you have. Wisdom, pushing forward, prayer, all of these things. Just keep doing it, keep trying. Keep being who you are and keep trusting God. That's all I got.